This morning it's Romans 14, verses 1 to 23, I believe it is. It's the weak and the strong. Accept him whose faith is weak, without passing judgment on disputable matters. One man's faith allows him to eat everything, but another man, whose faith is weak, eats only vegetables. The man who eats everything must not look down on him who does not, and the man who does not eat everything must not condemn the man who does, for God has accepted him. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master he stands or fails or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One man considers one day more sacred than another. Another man considers every day alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. He who regards one day as special does so to the Lord. He who meets, eats meat eats to the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. And he who abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself alone, and none of us dies to himself alone. If we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this, is, for this very reason, Christ died and returned to life, so that he might be Lord of both dead and the living. You, then... Why do you judge your brother? Or why do you look down on your brother? For we all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow down before me. Every tongue will confess to God. So then each of us will give an account to himself to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another Instead, make up your mind not to put anything or any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. As one who is in the Lord Jesus, I am fully convinced that no food is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for him it is unclean. If your brother is distressed because of what you eat, you're no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating, destroy your brother for whom Christ died. Do not allow what you consider good to be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by men. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it's wrong for a man to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause your brother to fall. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the man who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But the man who has doubts is condemned if he eats because his eating is not from faith. And everything that does not come from faith is sin. So it is written. Thank 
Thank you, Joyce. Here comes the gimp along. I want to take a few moments now just to break down some of the thought that we read in Scripture. This week I have, I have been speaking and thinking a lot about inner peace. Uh, with my knee issues and it creeping back and going away and creeping back. And that happens at our age. We start to think about inner peace. And I was talking with a friend of mine in Arizona, a very good couple that we know that spend their winters there, and we were talking on the phone, and I talked about inner peace, and they're not believers, but I was sharing my experience as pastor here, and and he uh, is always sending me things on the internet. He'll send me emails with all kinds of things, and he, he sent me this a couple afters, hours after we talked, and I thought, hmm, I think that's interesting. Inner peace. Okay, well, I guess I have to turn it on, eh? Things work better when they're turned on. Inner peace. If you can start the day without caffeine, if you can always be cheerful, ignoring aches and pains, if you can resist complaining and boring people with your troubles, if you can eat the same food every day and be grateful for it, if you can understand your loved ones are too busy to give you any time, if you can take criticism and blame without resentment, if you can conquer tension without any medical help, if you can relax without alcohol, and, and if you can sleep without any aid drugs, you are probably the family dog. <laughs> We're going to continue our series this morning as a reflection of our fifth commandment from the New Testament. Many of you may be old enough as I am to remember this TV program called Cheers. I actually had downloaded the theme song, but was unable to get it loaded on the PowerPoint. But I think the theme song is if, if let me read just a few words of this theme song. I'm not going to sing, I'm, I'm not Dawson, so I won't do that. But here are the words. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see our troubles are all the same. You want to be where everybody knows your name. I think that's a good theme song for the church. It was a great theme song for Cheers. And many of you weren't even born when Cheers are on. But I certainly remembered it and, and watched it fairly faithfully. Not sure why now I've watched it, but I did. In some ways, the church needs to become that kind of theme. God designed the church to be a community of people who not only need each other, but who know that they're needed and who accept and know each other. While we may, we may be more individualistic in today's culture, because of technology and new ways of communication, 
and we may even seem more isolated than from history from years gone by. But all of us need to be accepted. But sometimes, unfortunately, Christians are known more for what and whom they don't accept than what they do accept, and for their differences and battles than their similarities in inner peace. Pastor Ken spoke last week on the fourth New Testament commandment, and this is kind of number 4b, but I call it 5, because they're connected together in Romans chapter 15. Pastor Ken spoke about being of the same mind one with another, and he so graciously and wonderfully pointed out that for us to have the same mind one with another, it begins with humility, that we need to be a humble people. And the second part of that in Romans chapter 15, verse 7, the Bible says, therefore, accept one another just as, just as, and I put in brackets, because Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. The fifth commandment that I believe, and understand these commandments, my brothers and sisters. These commandments are not like the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament that were written for humankind. These 12 New Testaments or commandments are written for believers. They're written for the church, penned by the Holy Spirit, and written by the authors of the letters to the churches. And so we need to concentrate and focus our thoughts that this is God speaking to us as believers. And he uses this, therefore accept one another as Christ has accepted you. Dr. Hudson Armington was the president of Wheaton College, and he was the president of Wheaton College at a time when the culture was really shifting. That was in the early 60s and into the early 70s. That was the hippie era. I'm old enough to have been a hippie. I remember that culture shift. I also remember how the older generation looked down upon that generation with a lot of not such good thoughts. The doctor, the president of Wheaton College, felt that way. He was a veteran from World War I, and he despised the counterculture movement because to him it represented unpatriotic draft resistors, flag burners, and the like. And as president of the college, he did not like the way the students were dressed. And so it was his turn to speak at chapel one day, and as they gathered together in the prayer room before chapel, a young man walked into the prayer room. He had long hair, long beard, wore a sash around his waist, and only sandals on his feet. And his clothes were somewhat unorthodox. And he came into the prayer room, and, pass, or, and, and President uh, Armiting thought, oh dear, I wish he hadn't come. But not only that, this young man sat right down next to the president. And he, when, when, the, when he began to pray, this young man started the prayer group. 
Dear Lord, you know how much I admire Dr. Armington, how I appreciate his walk with you. I am grateful for what a man of God Armington is and how he, has loves, how he loves you and loves your people. Lord, bless him today. Give him liberty in the Holy Spirit and make him a real blessing to all of us in the student body. Help us to have open hearts to hear what he has to say, and we may do what you want us to do. Well, Dr. Armington walked down the steps into the chapel that day, and the Lord spoke to him about his attitude. After giving his message, he asked the young man to come forward. The young man walked up to the stage, and all the student body began to hush and wonder what is going to happen. Is the president going to dismiss him from school as an example to the rest of this rowdy new culture? But instead, Dr. Armington put his arms around the young man, and he hugged him. The sanctuary, the chapel went quiet for a few seconds. And then the students got up and began to applaud. And there were tears running down the people's faces. God had used this man as an example of what the Bible says about accepting one another because Christ first accepted us. And that's our teaching this morning. Now, I have a personal experience about this, and I'm going to wrap this up fairly quickly this morning, although I'll get through most of it. So my PowerPoints might not jive. That's okay. I have a personal experience with this kind of thing. You see, this cultural change in the 60s is not new. It continues to move through culture after culture after culture. My son, as a teenager, grew up as a skateboarder. He had holes in his body that God didn't put there. And he had things dangling from those holes. As a matter of fact, my son pierced his ears, or I shouldn't say my son pierced his ears, my daughter pierced my son's ears behind the pulpit at my church. But my son was a dedicated and committed skateboarder. He still is very active in alternative sports. But we had a rule, or we had a decision in our family that our children, I would pay their first year of Bible college after they graduated from grade 12, and that they would have to take at least one year of Bible college and then they could move on to their own educational desires. So my son said, yes, okay, and we got different ones, and he chose Briarcrest Bible College in Saskatchewan at Cairnport. That's one of those Bible colleges in the Bible Belt, Three Hills, Briarcrest, Steinbach, you know, that whole Bible Belt that runs through there, and he went there, and I was happy for him to go there. I, I taught evangelism at Briarcrest, and so I was active on the, uh, on the staff, and so it was a good place. I said, great, that's a good choice, son. So off he went to Bible college, and he wrote us, and we spent time together, and he, he, he was enjoying his experience. And he told us that he was a member of, of the WAD squad. Really? So I decided I would visit him at college, and I went there, and I got into his dorm, and I understood what WAD squad meant. 
You see, my son grew up a normal teenager. And when he would walk into his bedroom at night, he would just walk out of his clothes and leave them there, get up the next morning and redress, go to school and come back that evening and walk out of those. And by laundry time at the end of the week, because my wife was busy looking after uh, our, our foster kids and I was busy ministry, when the laundry time came, we'd go into his room and we couldn't see any carpet. We just saw clothes and other stuff, paraphernalia for skateboarding and, and all kinds of things. Well, when I walked into his dorm, there was a full dorm of them. It was like just... And so I went into his room with his roommate, and they sat on, on the roommate's bed, and I sat on his bed, and his floor was just like at home. And so being a dad, I'm sitting on the ground, and I'm kind of trying to sort out clothes and at least get them into piles. Couldn't see any carpet, couldn't see any floor. So I'm picking up clothes, and after a while, I finally pick up some clothes, and there was a full pizza box. And I opened the pizza box, and it had a full pizza in it. And I said to my son, how long has this been there? And he and his roommate looked at each other and said, that's where that went. <laughs> but he was a skateboarder, and he loved that, that part of his life. And he would come home, and he would rob books out of my library to do, do his tests and to, to write his papers. And, and at the end of the year, a number of those young men decided that they were going to go tree planting that summer from that dorm. So off they went, I don't know, 15 or 20 of them, tree planting for the full summer. And he wrote us, and he was, he was so, he said, Dad, this is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. He said, I'm all alone all the time on top of some mountain, trying to plant acres of these trees, nobody else around, it's dirty, it's dusty. And, and sometimes he'd call us on the phone, he'd be crying. He was so, dis you know, but I said, son, like Dawson, I said, you know, finish what you started. I said, you, you'll be blessed. And he did. He went through the summer and finished it and got home. And my wife and I had collected the mail from him and we'd put it in, the, in his bedroom so he'd have his mail when he got home. And he got home and he jumped in his bedroom and, and he was opening his mail and he was, his eyes kind of lit up a little bit because he got a letter from Briarcrest because he intended to go to the second year. And he thought it was, you know, his classes or his courses. And he opened the letter, and all of a sudden, his face became very discouraged. And I thought, what? And he showed me the letter. And the letter said to my son, Dear Gary, we want to inform you that you would not be welcome back at Briarcrest. But if you do come back, you have to leave your skateboarding paraphernalia at home. We do not agree with that lifestyle here. See, my son never wore his paraphernalia at Briarcrest. He only wore it on weekends when four or five of those boys, all skateboarders, put on their skateboard paraphernalia and went to the city closest to Briarcrest to skate with skateboard kids. And my son's dream was to become an evangelist to skateboarders. And the saddest part for me is my son doesn't attend church anymore because that broke his heart. It broke his dream. Yes, he loves Jesus, but he has no place in his heart for the organized church or religion. 
because that school didn't understand how to accept one another. Because Christ accepted my son, he should have been accepted, no matter what his lifestyle was, no matter what his paraphernalia was. Now, thankfully, Briarcrest has changed, and Three Hills has changed, and Steinbeck has changed. But I, don't want to do, I would not want to be the president of that school and has to stand before Jesus and said, why? Why couldn't he come back? I'm sorry, that's broken my heart for a long time. And it became so fresh when I studied this week. Therefore, accept one another because Christ has accepted you. My PowerPoints are going to be so messed up now. I will send them to you if you like them. But I want to say four things from our lesson this morning. Four reasons why the Bible teaches us to accept one another. We accept one another to God's, to God's glory just as Christ accepted us to God's glory. God was glorified when Jesus accepted us, and God is glorified when we accept one another. Christ accepted us, and so we are to accept other believers. We are to accept them just as Jesus accepted us. We are to accept them just the way they are. It is not our role to be judges of people's spiritual maturity. Christ died for us not based on what we have done or not done, not based on our personality, not based on our abilities, nor based on our cultural or ethnic background, not based on what we have or don't have. God accepted us fully. There was, there was and there is no probationary period in God's grace. God doesn't sit there and like, let's see how well this person turns out. And then I will decide. God decided before the foundations of the world, and he chose you, he ran after you, and he captured you by his grace, not by who you are, what you've done, or what you will ever do. Accept means much more than merely to be tolerant. It has the notion of warmly welcoming others especially those who are different than you are, into the fellowship of the local church. The second point. The one another that you are to accept is precisely the one who is different than you are. This is talking about the Jews the context of all of this is talking about the Jewish people not being willing to accept those dog Gentiles because they just ate the wrong meat, they worshiped idols, they worshiped prostitutes, but they were believers. And Paul says you are to accept the believer just as they are. Now, he's not saying accept unrepentant sinners, he's talking about believers people who have a relationship with Jesus. And many of them will be different than us 
In our scripture reading this morning from Romans chapter 14, Paul begins with, therefore, the stronger brother must accept the weaker brother. The stronger brother must accept the weaker brother. Why? For the glory of Jesus. But it goes on to say, the weaker brother must accept the stronger brother and not think of them prudish or overly religious. Accepting one another goes both ways. The only other one that you are to accept, the Bible, I believe, says the very one that might be different than you, might think different than you. You know, we live in a culture where lots of things go on. As believers, we're at different levels of our spiritual walk. Some of us are very weak. Some of us are very strong. And in that gap, there's all, there's all kinds of what the Bible, the Apostle Paul says are disputable issues. They're not biblical issues, they're disputable issues. Should we be watching UFC? Should we be playing Texas Hold'em poker? Whatever it is, there are so many disputable things that are spoken about in the church that are not the issue. The issue is salvation in Jesus Christ and growing in Jesus Christ and becoming what Jesus Christ wants us to become at his pace. But we often want to rush people to a new pace. But God's word says we're to accept one another just as Jesus accepted us to the glory of God. Third reason. The reason for accepting one another is that Christ accepted you when you didn't deserve to be accepted. Christ accepted you and I when we didn't deserve to be accepted. Let me read a few passages of Scripture speaking of Jesus. He died for us while you were yet sinners, Romans 5.8. We were his enemies, Romans 5.10. We were not seeking after him, Romans 3.11. He came looking for us in our lost, helpless condition, Luke 5.14. He didn't require that we clean up our lives and make our vows to change or do anything to deserve it. His love alone Like the father of the prodigal son, Jesus came running after each one of you. He came running after you, and he came running after I, and came running after me, and by his grace accepted us just as we were. Listen to Pat's testimony, Dawson's testimony. They were away from God, but God ran after them. Before the foundation of the world, God has chosen his people, and he will run after them. Fourth, the goal of accepting one another is the glory of God. As I said earlier, to the glory of God applies both to Christ accepting us and us accepting Christ. If Christ had only accepted those who had achieved a high level of righteousness, no one would marvel at that. That's how the world system works. You earn your way. You get what you deserve. 
But the fact that Christ accepts sinners who come to him for mercy and forgiveness glorifies God and his abundant grace. It glorifies Jesus. It glorifies God the Father and his abundant grace. When God converted a proud, self-righteous Jew who hated Gentiles and killed Christians and turned him into the apostle to the Gentiles, that glorified God. When God accepted you, when God opened your eyes and mind to see that our self-righteousness is worthless, trash, and, and, and we embraced Christ as our righteousness, that glorified God. Now we are to extend that same mercy that we received, which, that we received to other sinners and Christians, some of whom may already be saints in the local church. Granted, they may not be at our level of spirituality. They may not be where we are. We are all on a pilgrimage of sainthood. We're not all at the same place, all at the right time. And God could snap his fingers from heaven and make that happen. But where would our free will be? Where would our joy of God's changing our lives from moment to moment be? It would be erased from us. We wouldn't see how God is active in our life. But when we show the love of Christ to one another, even when the other person doesn't deserve it, God gets the glory. God gets the glory. That's the aim in behind, in behind accepting one another. It's not just so that we will get along as wonderful as that is. It's so that God gets the glory. One Bible scholar puts it this way. As he wrote an epistle to the Romans. God's glory was promoted when Christ received us sinners. And it is further achieved when we who are by nature sinners and wrapped up in our own concerns instead receive other brothers and sisters in Christ with the warmth of love. Accepting one another brings glory to God. Therefore, accept one another because Christ accepted you to the glory of God. I conclude with this illustration. It's another story by, as an evangelist, many of us evangelists read uh, Rebecca Peppard's book written in the, eight, the late 70s called Out of the Salt Shaker into the World. And it was kind of a theme book for evangelists in those days, particularly those of us at Youth for Christ. And she says, when I first went to Portland, Oregon, to work with campus ministry, she met a student named Bill. He was always disheveled in his appearance, and he never wore shoes, rain, sleet, or snow. Bill was always barefoot. Bill had become a Christian, but his appearance didn't change. Near the campus was a church made of mostly well-dressed, middle-class people. Sound familiar? One Sunday, Bill decided to worship there. He walked into, which, into the church with his messy hair, blue jeans, t-shirt, and bare feet. People looked at him uncomfortably, but no one said anything. 
Bill began walking down the aisle looking for a seat. But the church was quite crowded that day. So he got all the way to, down to the front without finding a seat. So he just plopped on the carpet, which was fine for a Bible college student, but a bit unnerving for the other members of the church. She says you could feel the tension in the air. Suddenly, an elderly man began walking down the aisle toward Bill. Was he planning to scold him about your, how you're supposed to look when you come to church? People thought. You can't blame him for what he's going to do. His world is far removed from that boy's. So I, they understood what he might do. The man kept walking slowly down the aisle. All eyes were on him. You could hear a pin drop. When the man reached Bill, with some difficulty, I can relate to this, he lowered himself and sat down next to Bill on the carpet. He and Bill worshipped together on the carpet that day. There was not a dry ear, eye in the crowd. That elder man was practicing the fifth commandment of the New Testament. Accept one another. Mature brothers and sisters, accept the weaker brother and sister. Don't expect them to be where you are. And weaker brothers and sisters who are new in their faith and are not yet willing to yield totally, completely to Jesus. Mature brothers, you accept them, and if you're weak, accept the mature brother because he or her are trying to help you. They're trying to walk with you through that pathway of growth. Accept one another as Christ has accepted you. The fifth commandment. Remember, it's about us. It's about us. And there's some cultural differences in this church. I get to see that because I'm one of the old boys. There are many of you who were born into a new culture that I have to gravitate to. But if we accept one another as Christ accepted us, what does it do? It brings glory to God. It's got nothing to do with us. It's got everything to do with Him. Everything to do with Him. Father, I thank You for this quick, short message, Lord. And I pray that You would take the words and the truth of Your Holy Word and implant it in our hearts in a unique way. Walk with us, Father. By Your Spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.